You are now listening to the Charity Church Podcast. Well, hello once again, and welcome to our post-sermon podcast, and I'm Marty Payton, and today I've got Tommy D back with me. Feels good to be back. Yeah, we missed you last week. Yeah, man. Forgot what was going on. I wasn't feeling well. You were sick. That's yeah, what it I was. was. I was bummed because I was probably looking forward to that podcast as much as any. Yeah, we got the Sean Hetty in here, yeah, and so he jumped good. right in. He did a good job. So anyway, we, are, we started a new series this week called I Love My City, which kind of flowed right after... I love charity. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, I have been, I've been looking forward to this series and, and just starting it out this week, just talking about the power of the message started out with me thinking about preaching on praying for our city. And I had chosen the text from Jeremiah chapter 29, which contains one of the most used verses in all of scripture. And you know that one, Tom? I do. I'm not even looking at the tattoo I have of it on my arm. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. But that was funny. <laughs> Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to bring you harm. That was the abbreviated version. But yeah, yeah, you were right. A lot, of, a lot of people either have it on their body or on a coffee cup somewhere. And I actually had somebody talk to me about that pass, that, that verse after the first service and they said, they asked the question, why do you think so many people love that verse? What is it about that verse that means so much to us? And I think, well, I don't know for sure, but that word prosper in some of the translations yeah. does have a nice ring to it, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah. yeah. So that would be uh, one of those um, misinterpreted, I think, if if that's what you're hanging your hat on. Yeah. Right? They want to yeah. be prosperous. But Certainly it's it's misrepresented yes, yeah. because that word has been translated many different ways. The word that we, that was translated prosper. And I think it's the NIV that's the word prosper. Um, but in the ESV it's welfare. Mm-hmm. And I forget what it is in the, the King James version. You said Shalom. peace. But yeah, exactly. That's, that's the actual Hebrew word. And so it's so many things um, that, that has been translated, but, but it is that idea of Shalom that God has plans for your your peace. Well, and that, it, it makes sense. That's the original language because when I think about that, um, that verse, I'm not thinking about God has plans for the Dolinger's prosperity. Yeah. But man, how many hills and valleys have you been through and experienced the peace of God mm-hmm. that you know is directly from him that surpasses all understanding and that verse does come alive, that he he does have the plans. He sees the total picture, and I'm going to trust that completely. And in the midst of it, the midst of the circumstances, whether you're in Babylon or yeah. you're in the promised land, <laughs> you have peace. And interesting enough, you and I kind of have a little similar background of kind of coming through a time where we were right. in want, you mm-hmm. know, in ministry. And, and sometimes that peace came in the form of somebody giving you some Money, Absolutely. unexpected money, unexpected groceries. Uh, for us, one time it was somebody uh, paying for a transmission to be replaced in a truck that I had that the transmission blew up in it. And so it's it's it, sometimes it is a prosperous in the sense of financial prosperity that he provides for us. Sometimes it's in the form of a peace in the midst of a tumultuous time in our lives mm-hmm. that we're going through. And so 
that word shalom, that peace, that's what God was promising to the children of Israel in the midst of Babylon. But the interesting thing was, is, and I, I loved all the reading that I was doing on that passage, is that it's easy to cling to a promise when you think that it's close at hand. Oh, yeah. It, it, and <laughs> when you were teaching that on Sunday, I kind of just was kind of grinning to myself thinking, it's so easy for us, you know, thousands of years later, because we know the end of the story, right. the end of the account that we're studying, to be like, yeah, guys, just have peace. Hang on. Just hang just on. Just hang yeah. on for a little while longer. Yeah. Uh, 70 <laughs> years, you think? Uh, 70 years is a little while? Like, yeah. if you were to tell me that about a circumstance in my own life right now or in your life, mm -hmm. it'd be hard to have peace in that. Yeah. But Now, if I can look on the calendar right. and I can circle it, <laughs> That's it and put a countdown on the chalkboard in my kitchen, you know, I, I'm like, okay, I can hang on. Not I can sure hang on for another 60 or 80 days or whatever. They're not making calendars... Uh, <laughs> 70 years, have 70 years out. 70 years out. No, just hang on for another 70 years no. and you are going to be out of here. Yeah. Uh, there were going to be people that would be dying off before they would be Absolutely. able to realize that. Mm -hmm. And so, although it does have a great ring to the verse, the context of the verse was that there was going to be a, a long awaited um, delivery from exile, but they were going to be in Babylon for a while. And so, Jesus, or I'm sorry, the prophet Jeremiah said, Listen, the promise is coming. But if you sit around here all the time and all you're doing is just looking for the fulfillment of this promise, it's going to be a long time. Yeah. And you're going to be a bunch of Christians, like you said, they're walking around looking like you just sucked on a lemon. <laughs> a, bag a bag of lemons. A bag of lemons. A bag of lemons. I looked around the auditorium and I saw two of them. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, in the passage that, that, that I shared from Jeremiah 29, starting in verse one, uh, there were several things that. Uh, as I was studying it, there was more to it than just prayer. Um, and just real quickly, the first one was, and we can go back and, and cover these, but just for the sake of the outline, get the right perspective about your placement. They were in Babylon, hoping to be back in Jerusalem. But the prophet was saying, get the right perspective about your placement, about where you are. Mm -hmm. Number two, while you're there, get productive. That's right. Okay. And then number three, don't forget to get prayerful. Get prayerful while you're there. And then finally, as we got down to the end of that passage, uh, where we got to that Jeremiah 29, 11, it's get peaceful. Mm -hmm. You get peaceful knowing the future. And so let's just kind of go back and, and chat through some of that, some of your ideas around it. Get, get the right perspective about your placement. Well, I think that was a great foundational, um, a, a great adjective to lay the foundation for the rest of them. Because unless you have the right perspective, mm -hmm. chances are you're not going to be productive in prayer. You're not going to be peaceful. Right. You're not going to be productive. Yeah. Um, but I love what you said. You know, how many of us uh, are, are where we thought we would be at this time in life? Um, probably not the majority. Right. Um, and quite frankly, when you said that, and I think you could relate to this too, I thought, you know what? I would love it if you told me a 20 year old Tommy that this is where I'll be at 43. Mm -hmm. um, I, I thought I would love that. But then I thought, no, I wouldn't. I'd be freaked out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right, so right. whether you're, you're not where you thought you'd be or you're 
past where you thought you'd be as far as your capabilities or how he'd use you, mm-hmm. you got to have the right perspective. Yeah. And um, that affects your work ethic. Right. That affects your productivity. It affects everything. Absolutely, it does. And the thing that's interesting about that is that the place that they were in was as a result of King Nebuchadnezzar sending the troops down, pulling them out of Judah, bringing them to Babylon. And, but yet at the same time, although he was the agent God used, God was the one who sent them into exile. That's right. Because there was something that he was going to teach them during that time of exile that he could have never taught them in the comforts of Jerusalem with the walls surrounding them and the protection around them. They needed to be in a place that they were not comfortable in, a place that was foreign for them, and a place that they never intended and never really wanted to go. Uh, but yet God had placed them there by his choice. And I think about all the things, all the hills and valleys and trials that Tracy and I have gone through uh, just in life. And um, and I think those things, although they were very, very difficult, here I am at 52 years old, like you're talking about. No, this is not probably what the the roadmap I would have drawn but there's a, there was a perspective that God had that I didn't have. That's right. But now I've gained more perspective. Absolutely. And it's it's helped mold you into who you are today. Yeah. And I heard Andy Stanley say years ago when I was a youth pastor, there was a book that he he and uh, Stuart Hall wrote together. And one of the one of the lines in there was this, and I'll never forget it. If we could see as God sees, we would do as God says. Mm. If we could see life the way God sees life and we had the same perspective God has big on life, picture. big picture, we would do everything God says do. We would even say yes to Babylon. Mm. We would even say yes to the season of life that we're in right now, no matter how good or bad it is. We would say yes to that because we would see a perspective that only God can see. And we learn so much in that. That's hard to do. It is. It is. And I'm not and I'm not saying it's easy, but I am saying that it is it, it's worth it. And it's it's our faith in it's our faith in God's process. And in that process, there's a perspective that we need to have about our placement in life yeah. and trust him through it all. Trust is the key word, I think. Yeah. 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 And I think that's what even while they were in exile, the 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 children of Israel, while they were in exile, this was God saying, trust me. Mm-hmm. Just trust me. That's why Jeremiah wrote this and he was saying, this is going to be, get this perspective, but understand there's a promise that God will always make good on. You know, um, and I think the right perspective is, hey, you're God and I'm not. <laughs> right? Yeah. And if, you know, when you read scripture, man, it, he doesn't lay out his full plan. Again, I think it's because it would freak us out. It would, you you yeah. want me to do what? So when he tells Abraham, go, where mm-hmm. am I going? Nah, just go. When he when he tells Peter to come out on the water, he doesn't give him <laughs> walking on water instructions. Peter says, if it's you, tell me to come. Jesus says, all right, come on, come. <laughs> Let's oh, go. <laughs> yeah. And Moses says, well, who do I say sent me to Pharaoh? Yeah, just tell him I am sent you. Yeah. What? And I think that if we saw the big picture, it would freak us out and we'd, sure. we'd get frozen in place. And so... Have you ever, you know, back in the day, did you ever use an atlas, a road atlas? Oh, yeah. And when you'd pick that up 
And I remember we do highlighters, you oh, know, yeah. we, we'd drive the highlight, highlighter across there when we were doing road trips. But I remember looking like if you're driving through a mountainous area and when you can see the curvy roads and how curvy they are, you're like, that, that's a switchback. I mean, oh, we're, yeah. I mean, you're going to see your taillights when you're right. going around that corner. And you look at it from that and you go, that could be scary. That's the way life could be for us. Absolutely. We could look at things and go... If we could see what we had, what we would have to go through to get to where we are now, it would be scary. But as you're driving those roads, there's all kinds of road signs that tell mm-hmm. you slow down here, speed up here, watch. You know, it's a downhill uh, grade, so be careful. Ride your brakes, downshift, whatever. And as you're going along, those road signs are everything that you need to properly navigate those things. And as we navigate life. That's what God does for us. He gives us perspective in the moment. If we choose to listen to him and read his word and follow his instructions, he will help us navigate the curvy roads and the ups and downs, the hills and the valleys. I wish I'd have thought of that That's on Sunday. That's a good analogy, a good analogy yeah. right there. Well, I think every one of our church members listens to this post-sermon podcast. <laughs> I'm sure they so do. They're, they're going to get it anyway. <laughs> That's actually a really good analogy. So number two, we have the get the right perspective. But if you, like you said, if we could get the right perspective, that's the ground. That's the groundwork there. Then we can get productive. Mm-hmm. We can get productive. And for a Christian, what is it to be? What does it mean to be productive? Just as far as in the mission of Christ. Yeah. I mean, going and making disciples. He yeah. gives us our marching orders. Mm-hmm. So. Um, in the passage, he was telling them, build your houses, live in them, plant your gardens, eat their produce, do all that thing. And also build your families, take wives, have your sons and daughters. Uh, increase, don't decrease. Right. Increase and just just live life. Well, and I thought when you said that, I've I've had conversations with people even now and, you know, 2022 say, mm-hmm. I don't know if I want to have kids. I don't right. want, I don't want to bring them into this world. It's so broken. And I love that you were like, no, no, we need to bring as many as we can yeah. to keep fighting the fight. Do you know that there, there is a strategy that the Islamic faith has, and that is to increase their family sizes so that they can increase the number of Muslims in the world. Wow. But yet we have Christians that are decreasing that because of the fear. Because of fear, right. Yeah, but really we need to be, we need to be, if God allows that, uh, chooses that path for us, be fruitful and multiply. But I think it is a bigger, uh, even a bigger picture than that. As Christians, we need to multiply disciples. That's right. Well, and it begins though in our home. Absolutely. Right? So we we increase the size of our family. We disciple them then we go out ourselves. And again, that's that whole concept you just said Islam's trying. So now we're going out and we're making disciples, but mm-hmm. now I have kids who are going out and making disciples and we've got a whole army. Yeah. And that's so. what we need. We need more and more. You know, I, uh, I did it in the class that I'm teaching in our charity university. I was talking about the, the power of multiplication versus addition. Mm-hmm. We love addition because we just want to add to our numbers. If there was a super evangelist that could reach 1 million people every single year of his evangelistic life, in 33 years, he would have reached how many people? Do the math. Yeah, I'm good. 33 million. <laughs> Look at you. He would have reached 33 million yeah. people. One-tenth, approximately one-tenth of the United States of America. Okay. However, if you reach one per, if you reach two people in one year, and you continue to multiply that every single year, in 33 years, you would have reached the entire globe, the entire world population 
with the gospel. So you're talking about billions, not billions upon billions of people. Power multiplication. That's the power of multiplication. And, you know, as Christians, we need to be productive. We Mm -hmm. need to think about what it means to multiply um, disciple makers. The next thing we talked about was getting prayerful. Yeah, I think that, man, to me, this is one, uh, it's a great challenge because I try to live a lifestyle of prayer, that whole pray without ceasing. I don't just pray when I wake up, before I eat, before I go to bed. I just, I want to be in a constant state of prayer. Yeah. But I can still become very selfish with my prayers. Mm -hmm. And I love what you're saying, man, what if we all started actually praying for our city leaders? Yeah. What if we started praying for our government officials? Mm -hmm. What? Obviously for our first responders and people like that. But if we just always covered these people in prayer, yeah, yeah, and and you know, for me, it's a it's a personal thing. My son-in-law Colby is a is a first responder in Kannapolis, so you know I consciously pray for Colby on a regular basis when I know he's on shift because I know that at any moment he's going to come upon a fire, he's going to have to run into potentially to save someone else's life, risking his own in doing so. You know, helping people who are in accidents and all the other things that they do as firefighters, getting cats out of trees. <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't think they do that anymore. But but I pray for him, and I pray for his safety, and I pray for the safety of other of our other first responders. But I find myself not necessarily in our local government, but I find myself being critical of government officials, the decision makers. It's a lot easier to be critical. Than, it is. Yeah. But what if I turned those criticisms into prayers and, you know, rather than maybe complaining about how we don't like the way Lane Street is now, which I think that there's purpose behind that development and we'll see that perspective Mm -hmm. at some point. But let's pray for the decision makers that are that are behind the development of our great town of Kannapolis and and and, and just being prayerful about that. Um, And I love this quote that I found. Find meaning in your situation even in the suffering, continue to choose life. And rather than growing bitter, resentful, or cynical, seek the shalom, the success, and the prosperity of the place where you live. Hmm. And I find that that quote to be very motivating. Well, yeah, absolutely. Because we're all going to go through times, seasons of suffering, right? Mm -hmm. It's an old quote that I love, and that is a reminder that nothing speaks louder to the unsaved world than a Christian who suffers well. Yeah. If we have the right perspective that he sees this, the big picture, Yeah. not just this one tiny little puzzle piece in life that we're living right now, Mm -hmm. it allows us to have that right perspective. It allows us to suffer well. It allows us to pray so. Yeah. And, and we look around us and we go, but, but everything is so against us. But you know what Jesus said? You've heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. <laughs> but what did Jesus say do? Yeah. Love your enemy. Love your enemy and pray for them. That's right. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. And then finally, we finish it up with uh, this and we'll just close this out with get peaceful. And I think perspective and product productivity as we find meaning in everything that we do and we are productive in that. And we pray through it. I think peace comes as a result of, of those things. And I think that you can just see that in somebody's demeanor, you know, their whole disposition. You can tell if those other things are foundational in their life, whether or not they have peace. Mm-hmm. Do they snap off at somebody, some stranger, Yeah, you know, that they run across in public? Like on the golf course. Like on the golf course, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, something's not right there. Something's it's off. Way bigger than, than your group. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, 
And I don't want to be that guy. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, um, easier said than done, but we ought to live lives of peace. Absolutely. You know, eventually God did bring judgment upon Babylon, upon the enemies of the Israelites, but it wasn't until his people were delivered. Yeah. And so we need to leave that timing to him. Yeah. Not to try to do it ourselves. (laughs) Not not bring the judgment on them ourselves. That's right. Well, that's a wrap for this week's edition of this podcast, the post-sermon podcast. Any final thoughts you got on it? I just know you're excited about this week. What is it you're going to help us navigate this week? Being in the world, but not of the world. Good stuff. Which is a hard, hard line to walk. Mm-hmm. And so that'll be this coming week. And so, hey, thanks for listening. We hope to see you on Sunday at 930 or 11. God bless. 